So welcome back to the green room where we review the week in cannabis. I'm Martin Lane, the co-founder of Cannabis and joining me is Cannabis editor at large, Reese Cohen. Reese, it's, it's been a while. What have you been up to? Ain't not much. Like I don't move far. I, you know, <laughs> I live and work at my home. So, you, you know, you know where I am. If you need me, you can always come and knock me. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, there was me thinking that you lead this incredibly exciting life while, while you're thrilling. not with me. Tremendously thrilling. Yeah, no, this is the highlight of my week, always is. Well, um, no, I've, I've been good, I've been busy. Yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of stuff going on, just juggling, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. The usual. Oh, well, that's good to hear, good to be busy. Um, and, and, and on with that, um, on that topic rather, um, let's talk about the flower shortage. Um, now, sure. after you wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, we had quite a few calls from cannabis companies um, claiming they had plenty of flour, but also lots mm -hmm. of feedback from patients saying their supply had been interrupted. So, so yeah. what's going on? Yeah, well, it seems pretty sec sectorial, I guess, or like, it, it's interesting, right? So normally you would assume that if several, uh, you know, very uh, frequently prescribed flower products suddenly became unavailable, that uh, doctors would be able to easily find alternatives and, and swap patients over. Of course, it's not as easy as that for a whole number of reasons. Um, but what was particularly concerning to me is to see some comments uh, on some of the social media platforms by patients, even as recently as yesterday, saying, oh, no, my doctor has told me that um, they're not writing any more flower prescriptions uh, because because there's none available now. Yeah, okay. The the many many flower products are out of stock. That's true, but there are some alternatives, and there's more stuff sort of coming down the pipeline. So it it just raises some red flags to me that either some of these uh, clinic doctors in particular are somehow unaware of what's going on in the market and are uninformed about alternative products they could consider or for one reason or another they're choosing not to prescribe um, products from certain companies even though patients need that medicine and they're asking for it i mean i'm not sure that that's happening but that's a that's one possible option which is a bit concerning no i was going to say to you is it is this a is it a supply issue or is it a demand issue because obviously we had that spike in february in terms of the the, the number of of, of um, prescriptions so so yeah which is it's a demand issue is i think right. the consensus seems to be it's a demand right. issue primarily i mean like you know demand and supply are integrally linked but there wasn't some huge to my knowledge anyway some huge interruption or hiccup with um with the supply it was just the lag time it takes to pick up on the fact that a trend is happening in, in a particular product skew, um, catching people off guard and, uh, and they're the ones that are playing catch up. Yeah, that was my next question actually, because I think um, our chief correspondent, Steve Jones, spoke to Tommy Huppert this week and Tommy was kind of saying this could happen again um, mm -hmm. um, because, you know, um, you know if, there, if there are issues with supply, but also if demand continues to grow in the way that, that, that it has done recently. Um, I mean, I guess you put that potentially in the bucket of nice problem to have, wouldn't you? Not really, because I don't think, I don't think that's, I mean, obviously it's not good for patients. It's also not good for product companies because it, it, um, it, it harms the confidence that doctors and patients have in that company's ability to provide continuous supply. And I think, I think what people tend to forget about 
about medicinal cannabis in Australia is that it's, it's unacceptable for any Australian to be without the medicine that they are legally prescribed ever. And continuity of supply is a fundamental ethical uh, requirement and imposition on every drug company. Now, of course, you know, cannabis is different and it's more challenging for a whole number of reasons, but it's not, you know, people talking like, oh, you can just, you know, swap from this one to the other, like, you know, that's fine. And give it a few weeks, we'll give it a few months. Um, like, that's not how I would want anyone to be talking about the interruption in supply of any other medicine in Australia. But for some reason, we, we you know, it's kind of like, okay, with cannabis. But I think Tommy's right. Like, this is going to happen again at some point, probably, you know, differently to how it is at the moment, maybe. Um, and large scale local production is one of the things that we can do to limit the extent to which um, that happens. But, you know, we're still a wise away from that. But also on that note, congratulations to Canatrek, you know, second company to bring an Australian cultivated flower product to market. That's quite an achievement. Yeah, interesting, actually. The, the other person I, I spoke to last week was uh, Shane Duncan at, at Can Group. And, it, and he was saying, yeah, one of their concerns was that this might, you know, push people down a path we don't want them to go because they can't get their prescribed medicine. So it did feel a little bit like um, when, when we broke the story that the industry were, were kind of concerned about the perceptions and the realities that that, that was, you know, that meant for patients and, and kind of seem to sort of rally around a little bit and think, actually, this isn't a good look. What, what, what can we do about this to help? Which I, you know, I thought yeah. was, um, I thought was quite encouraging. Yeah, it's good. I mean, people take this seriously. I'm not saying that, that product companies don't take it seriously or aren't doing everything that they can. Um, but yeah, it, it isn't, it isn't as easy as, or as simple as, or as harmless as, oh, that's okay. Wait a few weeks or, you know, change your medication, you know, ad hoc. Yeah. That's not a solution. And is this, this might be really unfair, so shoot me down as I'm sure you will, but is this partly a product of, you know, are these growing pains in a way in the, in the sense that, you know, it's now an industry that has to think in advance in terms of what kind of demand might be coming down the pipe because for so long demand was growing, but not that fast. And, you know, is it just a question of actually having to now forecast a bit more accurately and maybe a bit further forward? Totally, yeah. And, you know, demand has been growing, but demand for flour hasn't been growing that quickly historically. Like the, the general sort of, you know, the rule of thumb in Australia has always been, oh, this is an oil market, really, you know, we have such strict doctor gatekeeping and, you know, doctors will always prefer to prescribe oil. And that, you know, that was sort of like a truism for a while that, that we've been disabused of that notion. And, you know, pr product shortages and, and interruptions in other medicines as well, like this is in an unheard of occurrence. Um, but I feel that product interruption, medicine interruptions in other prescription medicines are taken more seriously and are understood to be more, uh, the impact of that on patients is better appreciated than with medicinal cannabis. Okay, and but that might change now that we've had this kind of, you know, th this might be a bit of a kind of wake up call potentially. Maybe, but... <laughs> Come on! I don't think many medicinal cannabis companies. I don't think you're trying to be optimistic. I don't think I don't think many medicinal cannabis companies think like pharmaceutical companies do. So I remember, and maybe this isn't very fair, but like yeah, going back a couple of years or whatever, right? You know, so product companies committing themselves to supply clinical trials for very serious conditions, which is a, which is a really serious commitment on behalf of the company. And then, whoops, sorry, um, head office hasn't signed off on the extra consignment, so 
like patients in clinical trials are going to have to, you know, like things like that do happen and have happened in Australia with medicinal cannabis companies, usually ones that are headquartered overseas. Um, so that, yeah, that's why I've, I've developed this impression, but hopefully we are moving away from that. Okay. I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave it there because I think that's <laughs> as good as it's going to get from, from Reese. Yeah. but, but actually moving straight on to another topic in, where, where patients, uh, may feel a bit let down. Um, so New Zealand has delayed its new medicinal cannabis framework for a second time, citing COVID-19 and a lack of um, suitable approved products, um, which came a week after Tilray, of course, became the first company to have products verified as meeting the minimum quality standards under the new system. Um, similar question, really. Is this, is this a case of unforeseen circumstances or did the government just not think it through? Bit of both, really, isn't it? Although I would say this is good news for patients uh, that many patients are probably quite happy with because you can imagine, you know, you've got this looming deadline coming up and you know that, no, you know, it's, it's you know, it's two seconds before midnight right, yeah. and there aren't any, there's two products that will be available for you and they're both CBD products. What am I going to do? Uh, so I think people are probably breathing a sigh of relief at the moment. Um, I don't really know why. I mean, Warren Everett from Medifarm Labs was um, was commenting on my on my LinkedIn post, basically saying, "Well, actually, and and as as well as um uh, as well as uh, some New Zealand commentators like Shane LeBrun saying things like, guys, like we've had products applications in for months. The government has been slow to assess them. This is the first time they're doing it. So, but but you know, clearly they haven't been given the resources that they require to do things speedily. If that rings any bells to anybody." Uh, you know, it's the stage I've been all over again. Uh, and uh, pick up your socks, you know, like um, you, you, you put in place the framework, you've designed it, you set the rules, you set the timeline, you set the deadline, uh, you know, stop kicking the can down the road and, and, um, and pull your finger out, I think is the, is the message that many product companies are probably sending to the New Zealand regulators right now. Okay, so just so I'm clear, this isn't companies dragging their, their feet. This is, this is the government not actually being able to, plow through the approvals quickly enough it it seems that way right yeah right yeah i mean i don't know you know there might be i think shane was saying there's you know uh several dozen products that are in the queue waiting to be assessed i don't know the extent to which those applications are complete and accurate it sounds very similar to what was happening in australia with the odc in the early days where you had a combination of gross underfunding of the regulator who were completely incapable of fulfilling their regulatory obligations, as well as a tidal wave of junk applications that needed to be waded through. I'm not, I don't know that that's happening in New Zealand. You have to assume that at least some of these product applications are, are time wasters. Mm. And you say, take your point, absolutely, it's good news in the sense that the deadline's pushed back, that people aren't going to suddenly find themselves without, without their medicine. But mm. what, if you were a betting man, um, what do you think the chances of the October, the new, I think October the 31st deadline? I think end of September. September. End of September. The 30th deadline is going to be um, stuck to. Pretty, pretty good, I guess. I mean, you know, we've had at least a couple of products successfully run the gauntlet so far. So it seems like there is some movement and um, six months is a, is a long run up, especially if there's dozens of applications in the queue. So yeah, I'd be cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic is as good as it gets with you. So I'm going to take that. <laughs> Usually. 
swiftly move on. Now, in yeah. other news, um, Cannabis launched um, our Women in Cannabis initiative um, last week. Oh, yes, last week. As we as we record this, it's this week. But but by the time this goes out, it will be last week. Um, time travel and. We, so we, we profiled Astrid Dispensary, um, founder and managing director at Lisa Newen. Um, the idea is we want to kind of shine a spotlight on the women kind of making Australia, I, I would argue, one of the world's most di gender diverse legal cannabis industries. So who better to talk about diversity than two white blokes? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I, I, you yeah. know, I, I have constant. to say, <laughs> go on, sorry. Constant problem, constant problem. No, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I, you know, I've got to say, you know, I, as I, as you know, I most recently um, came from the media and marketing industry. And I've got to say that, you know, cannabis puts those advertising types to shame, really, when it comes to certainly filling kind of senior leadership positions with with women. I, I remember we we, we, we decided um, a while back that all of our panels, all of our conferences were going to be you know, 50-50 gender split. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually really difficult to do that in the media and marketing industry, just simply because, you know, there aren't enough women in senior positions to have a balanced panel. You know, you don't want to be in a situation where you've got a couple of, you know, male CEOs and then you've got, you've got women who, who don't hold similar roles. So it was difficult to achieve. And we actually, you know, quite, quite kind of creative how we did it. It doesn't feel like that's, an issue here um and you know certainly the us seems seems pretty forward thinking as well but yeah i just wondered if you had any kind of sort of read on that really yeah i don't know i mean i'm not very familiar with the states i know in canada um although you know cannabis companies have lots of women in them at the very top of the hierarchy it's pretty uh, male dominated i think it would be fair to say and that's probably true of i mean it's true of most industries unfortunately um or many industries unfortunately um i i love that about the australian cannabis industry that that you are less at risk of being on a mantle than you would be in you know some other part of the world but it's still it's still it's still a channel like it's still a bit of a so I love that. Manal. Manal. I've never heard that. You haven't before. heard that before? No, yeah, that's no good. I manals. like that. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. new one on me. Ah, oh, Manal. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a male dominated panel. Right. Yeah. That, um, like, called, like, this, a, like this one right here. Although is, that a, yes, is that a portmanteau? <laughs> is that called a portmanteau? I think it might be. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I think is that a, when, a language term? Is when you conflate two words to create okay. a new word, I believe. I'm, Let's say it is. It's uh, so definitely an, one of those. An example would be Brangelina. Got you. Okay. Do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you know who Brand? Brand I, I am. I am personally yeah. familiar with with Brangelina. Yeah, right. yeah okay. I did grow up in the nineties, yes. so uh, I didn't miss that one, unfortunately. Um, uh, but you know, it's interesting. Like as my as my uh, friend Renee uh, Lister used to be fond of saying, medicinal cannabis is to a large extent a, a woman's movement. Like. I think especially in the in the minds of Australians, medicinal cannabis is often very closely tied with mothers and children. And that story about mothers and children is is one of the reasons why we have the legal medicinal cannabis industry in Australia. Uh, and so yeah, you know, women are is essential and and to to the progress that we've made. I would like that to I would like more women to be 
present at these sorts of things. I do feel I do feel like we're still not close enough yet for my sort of liking, especially in the sort of public commentary stuff. Like, I mean, cannabis is great in my opinion, but I'm biased, you know. But it's you know it's largely um, you know you, me, and and Jonesy um, often um, speaking, and other than us, you know the most of the other sort of media commentary industry analysis uh, people out there are usually men as well. So I think that's one, that's one sector that, that we, that we could, I don't know, work on somehow. Yeah. It's a Figure fair that point. one out. It's a fair point. It? Yeah. And a couple of points. Yeah. That, that's a very, that very interesting point you make about how the kind of medicinal cannabis industry has grown. And, you know, you think about people like Lucy Haslam and, and, and others who have kind of driven, driven change. Um, and, you know, some of the, some of the medical conditions, you know, things like endometriosis, you know, etc. Um, and also, I guess you've got, you know, there are some startups that have been started up, you know, by women, you think about Leaf Can and Elisabetta, and, and, and then you've got, you know, female CEOs like Joe Patterson and, and, and Felita Solomon. So, you know, as I say, I, I agree with you 100%, we can, we can and should do better. But if I compare it to other industries I've been involved in, I think it's a pretty good starting place. Um, right. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't have much context, I guess. It's also interesting, I think, maybe like because of the way in which we did medicinal cannabis, which is very different to how it happened in the States and Canada. Like, I feel like their industries, to broadly paint them in, you know, with, with one brush, came from or were more closely aligned or affiliated with the sort of cannabis subculture. And, and that's where a large part of that movement stems from. And that is a very masculine, bro-y, can be very bro-y, very male-dominated sort of feel. But like in Australia, I think because, because our approach for, for better or worse was so not that, like it was so strictly medicinal and, you know, within, you know, very much within the box, uh, you know, the TGA box. Um, we, we haven't yet seen that part of the community come along for the ride, I guess. So the medicinal cannabis sector here feels uh, like it has less of that bro-y, um, you know, all I mm. want to do is like, you know, punch cones and do dabs kind of culture than you see in some other parts of the world. And maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah. And look, I'll tell you what, it's a really fair point you make as well that, you know, we, we you know, in terms of cannabis, it tends to be male voices more, more than female voices. And I think one of the things we want to try and do with women in cannabis is actually, you know, profile some of the you know, women in the industry are really making a difference, but also, you know, encourage people to to get involved in terms of, you know, writing guest columns and and and, and those sorts of things. So we can sort of balance out the voice. Because I, I think it's a fair point you make. And I'm I'm sometimes quite conscious of the the homepage looking, you know, very much um very, very male dominated. So so yeah, anything that we can do to get kind of more female voices into cannabis, I think I agree should be encouraged. Um Okay, um, last up, I uh, just want to chat about the MCIA's um, A Cannabis Evolve virtual conference next week, which is, I think, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, mm -hmm. I know you're moderating a few sessions. I'm moderating a, yeah. a, a session. What, what, what are you looking forward to the most? Well, that's a good question. I, I mean, like a, it's going to be interesting because quite a bit of my content has been pre-recorded. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not really looking forward to that because I've already sort of done it, so to speak. But it, it will be interesting, and it had some really great chats. I'm I'm keen to I'm, I'm looking forward to. I mean, I love all my children equally, uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't play favorites. Um, 
But I am looking forward to chatting with Ian Alexander from Altum Group about uh, Asia Pacific and sort of what's going on with cannabis in APAC because it's something that's so close to home, like physically and culturally. But it's a bit of a, a bit of a blind spot for me um, personally. And I know you know there hasn't been a lot of progress in many countries, but there's probably some really interesting stuff going on. Um, so I'm looking forward to learning uh, learning from Ian about that. Yeah, and, and, and what about what about you? Oh, it's interesting you say that actually, Chris. Yes, like, like you, I've I've pre-recorded a conversation with Cam Batley, who's uh, MD of mm. Med Relief Australia. For those who don't know, but also ex Aurora Canopy Growth Bedrican, sort of somebody who's been involved in the Canadian medicinal cannabis industry since its inception, really. And I chatted to him about kind of the global opportunities and where Australia could play and take advantage of those global opportunities, which was, yeah, it was a really interesting conversation, actually. And, um, he, you know, he was very positive about where Australia is at currently and, and you know, plenty of upside, but a few cautionary tales along the way. So, um, yeah, it was a good, good conversation. And, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll get some good questions because, um, you know, obviously that's the bit that we don't have yet is what, what, what the audience thinks. So um, I'm sure we'll find yeah. out. Um, right. Okay. Yeah, it's going Yes, sorry, go on. I interrupted you. No, no. Okay, well, I'll no, just go. I'll go. Take, taking a deep breath. I'll go straight to the plug then. Um, so there's still time to buy tickets, um, and Cannabis members even get a twenty percent um, discount. So just uh, I'll put the link actually in the blurb for this week's green room, so you can see how you can go about taking advantage of that offer. Um, Okay, I think that's it's all it. virtual, isn't it? It's all it's all it's all online. The, it's, the it's, yeah, it's all one hundred percent virtual. Yes, so you can you can uh, you can watch from wherever you are. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, I think that's about all we've got time for. Um, what does yeah. the rest of your day look like? I got to sit down and do some reading. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm a full time master student now, and I got deadlines to meet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna crack the books and refresh my mind about the theoretical approaches to cannabis legalization. Yes, and you were, you were telling me over lunch last week that you've managed to, you've, you've now turned into a proper journalist in that you leave absolutely everything to the last minute. So <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm glad in some small way we've been able to help you in your studies by, 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 right. by doing that. All right, okay, well, we'll leave my, it there. As, as my dad would say, with, with enough stress and coffee, you can get anything done. That's so, very true. That's um, very true. Well, look, we better let you get on with it. So um, thanks yeah. for thanks for chatting and I'll see you next week. See you soon. Cheers, Blake.